0: Not Al, but John, that's right. John, uh, he had one of those near-death experiences, okay? You know what I'm saying? You heard about those? Must have been the chicken, that's my theory, but I digress. But anyway, so he had this near-death experience, and he's a Christian, so he's at the pearly gates, okay? And he's up there, he's waiting to get admitted, and while he's waiting, you know, St. Peter, he's leafing through the book of life there and all that stuff, and, 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 and he keeps going through the book though several different times, Bill, and, and St. Peter does, and he, he starts to furrow his brow, and he takes a look at John, and he says, you know, um, I can't see that you ever did anything really bad in your life, right? Yeah, whatever, it's a joke. But anyway, And then and I, I can't see, though, you've done anything really good either. Okay, if you can point to one really good deed, you're in. So John, he thinks about it for a moment. He says, uh, got one. See, there was this time, one time when I was driving down the road in Las Vegas, and I saw this giant group of thugs. They were assaulting this poor girl there. And and so uh, I saw them, I drove up to them, and I slowed down my car, and, and, and sure enough, that's what they were doing. There was about 50 of them, man, harassing this terrified young woman. And I was so infuriated, I got out of my truck. I grabbed a tire iron, and I walked up to the leader of the gang. He was this huge guy, man, massive guy. He had this studded leather jacket on. He had a chain running from his nose all the way back up to his ear. And as I walked up to him, the, the rest of the guys, the 50 of them, made a circle around me there. And so I went right up to the leader. I ripped the chain right off his face. I smashed him over the head with the tire iron. I laid him out totally cold. Now you know why I'm nice to John Al. But anyway, that's right. So... But... He said, so then John says, then I turned and I yelled at the rest of them, leave this poor innocent girl alone. You're all a bunch of sick, deranged animals. You better go home before I teach you a lesson in pain. And Peter, yeah, I'm serious. He was all, he was like, whoa, man, he's impressed with John. He says, really? When did this happen? And John said, about two minutes ago. (laughs) Near death experience, he's standing in heaven. That's right, Tom. But as you can see, sometimes the point is this, our trip to heaven could be very quick, can it not? (laughs) when you least expect it, okay? And believe it or not, folks, the Bible says that one day a whole ton of people are gonna have that same quick procedure. They're going to heaven just like that, okay? And the Bible calls that the rapture of the church, okay? That's good news. But the bad news is those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they ain't going, Instead, they're going to be catapulted into the seven year tribulation, which is mankind's worst nightmare. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. And Jesus said it's so horrible, okay, that unless God shortened that time frame, not one person would survive on the planet, okay? You don't want to be there, okay? In other words, okay? But as we saw, God is not just a God of wrath, He's a God of love as well. And because He loves you and I, He's given us so many. It'd be one thing if He just gave us one. But he's given us so many signs to let us know, to give us a heads up, to be prepared before it's too late, okay? Uh, Letting us know when the tribulation was coming, and so was the second coming of Jesus Christ. Therefore, in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day, man, of being left behind, we're going to continue our study called the final countdown, okay? We've already dealt with the number 10 sign on the final countdown was the... Jewish people, that's right, John, you're on the poll. The Jewish people, number nine sign was modern technology. The number eight sign was worldwide upheaval. And the last two times was the rise of falsehood. And what we saw is God, I truly believe it's out of love because he doesn't have to give us a heads up warning. That out of love, he told us that when we see an increase across the planet, people claiming to be Jesus Christ, is that happening? Uh Uh-huh, increase of false Christ. And false myths, people going outside the Bible for truth, uh huh, that's happening. And last time, the false teachings, starting with the false teaching of the lie of evolution. And what we saw is Peter clearly said, This is why in the last days you're going to have a scoffing, skeptical society, specifically towards God, towards his judgment, and towards his second coming. And can anybody realize that that's what's happening right now? Exactly. And so, what does that tell us? Peter said, That means you're in. The last days. You're in that generation because you're full of a generation of scoffers. But that's not all the third way. We know evolution is a lie and it's going to be used to build the Antichrist kingdom. Evolution is going to be used to justify the murder of billions of people going to make what Hitler did like chump chains. He was an evolutionist, by the way, as well as an occultist. Okay? Uh, it's going to be used to justify uh, and to try to explain away the rapture of the church and it's going to be used to actually get people to think who are left behind, hey, this is a great thing. Okay, and we're going to get to that. But the third way that we know that evolution is a lie is from the evidence of a special creation. Turn to somebody and say, man, you are special. Go ahead, feels good, all right? But hey, don't take my word for it. God told us this on the very first page of the Bible. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verses 24 through 35. If you find Revelation, what do you do? Just flip it over and start all over again, okay? Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through uh, 27 is our context here. We're dealing with day 6. You got that one. Thank you very much. But that's right. Uh, and uh, as we turn there, it's on page 1 of my Bible. If you've got large print, it might be page 19, but it is chapter 1. Okay? Uh, if you're there, there. Are page 1, possibly Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. Stalled enough time, Jay. Let's go ahead and read the text, shall we? Sure, Pastor Billy. Okay, great. Uh, here it is. Uh, verse 24. Day six of creation. God's the one who did it, folks. It wasn't an accident. Okay? And God said, who said? God. God said, let the land produce what? Living creatures according to their? Kinds. Key word there. Kinds. Livestock. Creatures that move along the ground. And the wild animals. Each according to its? Kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their? Kinds. And the livestock according to their? kinds and all how many all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds and god saw that was good now after he made the animals here's the next one then god said let us make who Man. man in our image in our likeness and let them do what over the animals they're just like the animals no we're supposed to what rule over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground so god created who Man, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. And in case you're wondering, male and female, he created them. Okay? Very first page of the Bible, folks. And right there, out of the the starting gates, it says that God made, after he made the animals, who did he make? He made us, mankind, right? Male and female. But not only that, notice what else did it say. He said, unlike the rest of his creation, he made mankind and mankind alone specifically in his image, okay? Now, the common sense thing is that means that uh, I'd say we're pretty special, right? He didn't do that with everything. He just did it with us, mankind. We were created in his image. Now, here's the problem. The Bible says we're a special creation from God. What does evolution teach? Do they say, oh, yeah, you guys are right, you Christians. Oh, boy. We were specially created in the image of a special God for a special purpose in life. Is that what they say? No, are you kidding? They say we were created in the image of an ape, right? Right? That's what they say. They, in fact, they say you have no special purpose for your existence. Yay! We wonder why our world is so hopeless. You know, right? gee, gee, why are kids acting like apes today? Ah! Well, maybe it's because you're teaching they came from apes. Why is our world so ungodly? Why are people doing this? Ah! Maybe because you keep telling them there is no God. Why is the world so full of ho- hopelessness? Well, listen to the that they're getting from we High. What are they being told? Evolution says, hey, here it is, Al. This is why you get up every day. You are nothing, you came from nothing, and you have no future. Yeah. That doesn't motivate me. Okay, but it does instill hopelessness. Now contrast that to what we just read in the Bible. The Bible says you are special because you were created unlike the rest of creation in the special image of a special God who has a special purpose for your life. Now that's good news. And that's what the Bible says. But evolution, listen, not only denigrates you and I and reduces us to an animal, but shocker, it teaches the exact opposite of what God says. They don't say that God created us after the animals, they actually say we came from the animals. Now again, the logical question is this, let's put it to the test, okay? It's one thing to believe this. It's one thing to teach this and promote it in our schools and in the media. But my question is, what hardcore evidence do you have to back this up? What hardcore scientific proof do you have to confidently declare that we came from an ape instead of Adam? Well, folks, believe it or not, I don't have time. I could be here for, I'm, I'm not kidding, months and expose all the lies of evolution, okay? But believe it or not, they don't have any. And what supposed proof they have is an absolute lie. Let's take a look at just a couple of mechanisms of how evolution is supposed to work, and you tell me if they're not all built on lies. That's all it is, folks. And the first lie is the lie of ape man, that we came from an ape. Let's take a look at some of their supposed best proof of this supposed theory. Let's take a look at the hardcore evidence. In Nebraska man, that's the first lie. Okay, In 1922, scientists discovered a fossil in Nebraska that was reported to be one million years old. As we saw last week, boy, that dating method they use is so accurate. Yeah, whatever, they made it up. Okay, And it was heralded as the missing link in human evolution. And it was so uh, important to them that they used it for proof in the Scopes Monkey Trial, which is what they used for justification to get evolution eventually into our schools. So man, this must be some hardcore proof. I'm not making this up, folks. The only problem was it was actually found out, Nebraska man, to be just a mere tooth and that of a pig. That's all that it was, okay? Eager evolutionists, you can check it out for yourself, built a whole imaginary society and lifestyle around a single pig tooth. That's all they found. It's completely made up. They built the entire Nebraska man out of plaster, Paris, and imagination. They even built the guy wife. I like my one guy, common sense response. He says, man, you got to be pretty good to know what his wife looks like only from his tooth. <laughs> can you imagine that? Hey, don't be laughing. Brandy's eyeball's right here. You know what I'm saying? It's really annoying because she sees everything I eat. Whatever, but how what can you from a tooth? Excuse me? That's a lie. Okay, that's your, What? Okay, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. How about Piltdown Man? For more than 50 years, we were led to believe that this ancient creature was another supposed ancient ancestor of modern man. And it was considered the second most important fossil, proving, that's right, proving, evolution. Well, let's take a look at the facts. The only problem was it was a lie, it was a fraud. The original discoverers took a human skull and an ape's jawbone and filed them down to make them fit together. And then they treated them with acid to make them look old. They buried him in a gravel pit, came by, <gasps> look what we discovered. It's been proven for many decades, folks, this thing is a lie. And that they still continue to promote it. How about Neanderthal man? That's even worked into our vocabulary. It was a lie. Neanderthal man is the first supposed ape-man ancestor found back in Darwin's day. Okay, oh, it's gotta be true. Well, let's take a look at the facts. In 1908, a professor declared, Neanderthal man, this is where we get the term, was this ignorant, knuckle-dragging, ape-like man because the low eyebrow ridges, which, by the way, people alive today still have, which... I don't recommend you saying they came from an ape, okay? But, uh, uh, but they also, because of his stooped over posture, okay? That's what they, well oh, see, here it is, evolution, right? Well, it was discovered that Neanderthal man was just as human as you and I, and listen, his stooped over posture was caused by arthritis and rickets, which is a vitamin D deficiency. Listen, folks, this is what they've done. He was bent over, not because he was slowly evolving, coming up like the pictures show, and that's all they got is pictures, The dude was bent over because he had arthritis and he was slowly going down. That's why he had a bent over posture. Complete baloney is what they made up. Let me give you one more because this is one of the more current ones. Lucy is one of the most uh, recent finds of evolution of the supposed ape man and it's almost been universally accepted without question. Well, let's take a look at some of the hardcore facts. First of all, what bones that they found were scattered and they came from completely different locations. Listen to this, this is insane, folks. The knee joint of the carcass was found a mile and a half away from the rest of the skeleton. And yet National Geographic said, "No, this is Lucy's knee, excuse me? It isn't like you're digging the dirt, I found a couple of bones, okay? Okay, They just only found a few bones, period. But then you're gonna say, yeah, I was walking. Mile and a half later, (laughs) look at her kneecap. They pieced it together like a puzzle. Oh, this It's a lie. In fact, I like what one guy said. He says, "How fast was that train going when it hit that monkey?" Because that's the only way I can think of. Just the kneecap goes a mile and a half. A bunch of baloney, folks, okay, that's still it all. Then they said, no, 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 okay, you don't like that. And they say, we know that Lucy was becoming a human due to the fact that an ape has a straight femur, but Lucy's femur is angled like a human's. <gasps> yeah, well, that part's true, but here's the problem. Although monkeys that do walk on ground, yeah, they have a straight femur, but monkeys that climb in trees, guess what they have? An angled femur. And so all that showed was it, as she was a tree-climbing monkey as opposed to one that walked on the ground. That's not evolution, It's a bunch of baloney, okay? And then if that wasn't bad enough, St. Louis Zoo put up a display of Lucy with human feet on her, and guess how many foot bones they found? Zero. Pure propaganda. That's the actual photograph. They didn't find any feet bones, but they made it look like they were human. That's all they do, folks. They just draw it up because they have no evidence. And as it turns out, Lucy's just a tree-climbing monkey. Some feel there might even be some still alive today in Vietnam. It's a samatra in that area. It's a lie, okay? Let me give you just a couple more examples. That's the uh, ape man. How about the lie of natural selection? Because we all know that through the process of natural selection, that's how evolution occurs, right? Wrong. I only have time for just one lie that they try to prove this theory. And the first one's called the peppered moth. Maybe you guys hide this in school because they still use it today, even though it's a lie, okay? Peppered moth is uh, a, a species of moth that's back in England, okay? And it comes in light and dark varieties, as you can see there. Okay, and here's how the story goes, and boy, is that the word a story. Okay, they say that the light colored moths started out being the dominant ones, okay, as you can see there. Uh, But due to pollution, the black ones became more dominant because they were camouflaged by the black suit. Okay, and so you know, before the pollution problems, the the white ones would appear on the trees, and then the birds would eat them, and so the black became dominant, and then eventually it, it switched. Okay, years later, anti pollution laws were enforced. Then the black ones lost their camouflage again, so the birds went back to eating them again, which caused the light ones to become dominant again. you guys ever remember that in school? Okay, if they ever had there? Okay, that's the whole, uh, whole story, and again, that's the key word. It was made up by a guy named H.B. Kettlewell, and at first his experiments seemed pretty straightforward, right? Because you don't think these people are gonna lie. Okay? He even took photographs of light and dark moths resting on tree trunks during the daytime with birds eating the less camouflage one. Oh <gasps> well, that's gotta be true. Well, and then he even described it, quote, the most striking evolutionary change ever witnessed in an organism, or was it? Okay, let's take a look at the facts. It was another lie. First of all, after 25 years, only two moths were seen in their natural habitat. How would you guys like to have that job? After 25 years of being on the job, I only had to find two moths. <laughs> what? But still, he only found two moths, period. Then it was discovered that pepper moths don't even rest on tree trunks in the daytime like the pictures showed, okay? Instead, they're night flyers, and they hide under the leaves. So he's got a problem. How's he gonna make it work? I'm not making this up, folks. To get the desired pictures, listen, Kettlewell and others trapped the moths, raised them in a laboratory, then took some dead ones and some live ones and either pinned or glued them on the trees for the photographs. It's a lie. Okay. In fact, some of the live ones were so sluggish they had to warm them up on the hood of their car just to live them up, just so the birds would eat them. This has been known as a lie for a long time, and they're still using it today for proof of evolution. Okay. Let me give you just one more. How about the live embryology? Okay. As you can see there, and with that nifty picture. But we'll move on. Uh, that started with a guy in the 1800s, with a German guy. Oh, by the way, Hitler based a lot of his evolutionary beliefs on this guy's work. His name is Ernst Haeckel, okay? And he said that as a fertilized egg develops to form an embryo, it actually repeats its supposed evolutionary history, okay? Do you guys remember those photographs? Maybe you saw this in the textbooks. Remember that in school? How they tried to brainwash you? Haeckel actually examined and drew pictures of figs, uh, fish, frogs, chickens, pigs, and human embryos side by side, you can see there. And he says, look, see? There's a remarkable similarity between their stages of development. That means we all came from a primordial ooze because we're... Well, let's take a look at the facts. The problem is, folks, uh, all those pictures and diagrams that he used for his proof, they were fakes. And this has been known for, gosh, what, over 125 years, 150 years? Okay, as it turns out, Haeckel was an accomplished artist as well as an anatomist, and it's been proven, folks, he faked the drawings to, once again, shocker, make his uh, theory look true, okay? And believe it or not, it was exposed as a lie back in 1874, and this one I know they still use in textbooks today as proof of evolution. Okay? In fact, folks, he was convicted of this fraud by his own university where he taught and he was charged with fraud by five professors and was considered an absolute utter disgrace for the rest of his career, but they still put it in textbooks today. But here's what I love. This is very telling to me, folks. Uh, uh, Haeckel actually said this in his defense. He said, quote, other evolutionists had committed similar offenses and how dare we question? Because we all know that evolution is based on hardcore scientific data, Al. Makes you wonder what else they're lying about, right? I don't know, to me, logically, I'm going, man, gee whiz, I mean, if all you got is lies to support your theory, (laughs) hey, maybe it's time you get a new theory. Anybody with me on that one? Why in the world would you deliberately lie to us? Because that's what's happening. We'll get to that in a second, okay? But that's not all, let me give you one more example of supposed evolutionary mechanisms, and that's of the thing called sequential ordering. And that's where they have all these pictures, because that's all they got pictures or animation, not proof, okay? And what they do is they take all these bones that they find in the dirt and they arrange them in a certain order and that supposedly proves evolution, right? But first of all, stop and think about that procedure. When you find a bone in the dirt, what do you know? You don't know anything about it, right? All you know is, hmm, that thing's dead, right? You don't know if it had any kids. You don't know what kind of kids. You don't know what the kids look like. You don't know nothing. That's all you know, okay? And to show you how goofy this is, we're gonna watch a guy uh, use logic and common sense to show that if you think that arranging bones in a certain order can prove evolution, you can prove the evolution of anything, including silverware. Let's take a look.
1: Just because you can arrange animals in order doesn't prove a thing. Even if you find them buried in a certain order, that doesn't prove a thing. If I get buried on top of a hamster, does that prove he's my grandpa (laughs) I've been doing a lot of research on the evolution of the fork I've pieced together fragmentary evidence for years I believe after intensive research the knife evolved first and then slowly evolved to the spoon took millions of years you know great geological pressure squeezed it dished it out widened it up a little bit and then slowly erosion cut grooves into the end and turned it into the short time fork. And then very slowly, over millions of years, the grooves got longer and wider. I knew I had the right order, but I felt like I had a missing link, particularly between spoons and forks. You see, spoons are rounded and no grooves. Forks are squared and grooved. That's two jumps in one. Even punctuated equilibrium can't do that. So I knew I had a missing link here, folks, but I couldn't find it. So one day I'm flying in the airplane on US Air, 30,000 feet off the ground, and the stewardess walked down the aisle, And handed me the missing link I don't think she knew what she had but my trained scientific eye picked it up I said this is it later that day I went to get some chicken for lunch and found another one there they are folks the missing links so the evolution of silverware is becoming very complete I have found a lot of evidence since then I've been gathering data on this for a long time I even found a few mutants along the way didn't quite make it for some reason. You know, it was very interesting, though. As soon as people found out I was doing research on the evolution of the fork, everybody wanted to become famous. They sent me all their data from all over the country. Even some lies got sent to me, folks. I mean, some people, just, they just want to be famous. This one is an obvious fork head on a spoon handle. <laughs> it didn't get by me, though. This is a cutthroat business. This fossil business is dangerous, you know. You've got to watch it. But I caught it right away, and didn't. It's not in my museum. The rest of them are, though. Even found that environmental pressures can cause all sorts of colors to arise. Over millions of years. Now, look, you can arrange letters in order and try to prove something if you want. You can turn a cat to a cot to a dot to a dog, making one letter change at a time. If you play around for a while, you can turn yourself into a fool.
0: (laughs) Wow. Hey, how many of you guys are going to be good evolutionists today when you go out to lunch and uh, take a really close look at your silverware? Because you might find that missing link. My um, guess, Bill, is a piece of pork on the end of your fork, but uh, that's me personally. But uh, uh, excuse me? That's, that's one of your best proofs? It, it, that's it? That's what your theory's based on? Folks, we have been lied to. And again, I'll say to the common sense response if all you have is lies to support your theory, maybe it's time to get a new theory. Why in the world would you deliberately lie to us? Why would you lie to people? Why would you lie to kids? Why are you doing this? Well, folks, we saw last week, the Bible gave us the answer. It's a sign that you were in that generation of the last days. Peter said in the last days, scoffers would come who would not only mock and scoff at God's existence, but of his judgment and his second coming. And he said there, they would deliberately forget the genuine proof of God's existence and make things up, why? Because it's based on science? No, just because they can follow their ungodly desires, they don't want there to be a God. It has nothing to do with science, it has everything to do with sin, including the lie of ape man, natural selection, embryology, and a whole host of others that I don't have time to get into. But I think you're getting the point. This is a sign, evolution on the planet. And this kind of obvious lying and scoffing is a sign we're living in the last days. 2 Peter 3 predicted it for us. The th- fourth way we know evolution is a lie is from the evidence of a judge creation. Jesus believed that Noah and the flood was literal, not a myth. Let's take a look at that one. And this is the quote from Jesus. Once again, he's being asked in Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39, uh, the logical question, Right? When are you coming back? what's What's going to be a sign? He says, first of all, no one knows about that day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Can I translate that for you? Would you false teachers stop predicting dates and putting a mockery upon Christianity? Because you don't know. I don't care how good you are at math, including the calculator. You don't know. That's from Jesus. You're calling Jesus a liar. But here's the good news. He says, you don't know the exact day. But right after that, Jesus gives us a clue when you're getting close. And notice what that clue was. He said, as it was in the days of who? Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood, God's first judgment on the world, came and took them all away. Okay, Jesus said that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Okay? And folks, again, what we see, the Bible clearly says nobody knows the day nor the hour. But I really believe Jesus out of love gave us yet another clue as to how we know when we're getting close. And notice what it was. He talks about a literal society by a literal guy who was literally named Noah, who literally survived a judgment literally in the past, right? Now, here's the problem. Is that what evolution teaches? Do they say, yeah, yeah, there was this literal guy named Noah who literally survived on a literal ark with the animals to survive a literal judgment. We agree. Now, what do they do? They mock the account of Noah, which is calling Jesus a liar, by the way, and I do not recommend, and they flat out call it a myth. And they usually come to you and I as if we're the unintelligent ones and with, with dripping, syrupy mockery that, what you mean to tell me? that all the animals on the world fit on that boat right you ever had to encounter those discussions that's exactly what they do well first of all hello if you read your bible it's a, that's, a, that's what you need to do if you're truly going to investigate something you whether you believe in the bible or not at that point if you're going to mock and scoff at the bible like i used to you'd think you'd get in there and at least read it i didn't do it either it's called hypocrisy Okay. But if you would read the Bible, you'll see that Noah didn't have to bring two of every single living thing on the planet, like they want to bait you with. He only had to bring two of every kind. That's what we saw, which means you don't need to bring two of every single species of dog, variations of kind. You only need to bring two of the dog kind, a male and a female that comes in handy for what you're trying to do later repopulate the earth okay okay that would seriously reduce the number then right not two of every species just two of every kind the second thing if you read the bible you see that he only had to bring air breathing land animals not the water ones okay so you put just those two limiting factors together and that's going to seriously reduce the number but i still agree still that's a lot of animals to squish into that boat right so so let's do unlike sometimes with the evolutionists let's put it to the test shall we? Let's not just blindly read the Bible. Let's put it to the test. Was there enough room on that ark to hold two of every kind of animals and just the air-breathing land ones? Yes, in fact, as we're going to see when you do the math, calculate it or not, uh, there was room to spare. Let's take a look at what we know about the ark from the scripture, okay? First of all, the ark was not a ship with sloping sides. Unfortunately, they make great for nursery rooms and kids' books and stuff, but that's not good. The ark according to the dimensions, was a large barge. To give you a visual analogy, if you can't see it there, uh, it was kind of like a big giant oil tanker. It wasn't some just boat and it's boiling you know, out like this, a bulge, it was a huge, massive just barge. And people, well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't uh, you know, steer very well. <laughs> he's not going anywhere, he's just trying to float okay he's just trying to survive the flood okay but anyway so it's, it's a large barge it had a larger carrying capacity based on that factor and so if you do the math based on the dimensions given to us in the bible and that is this genesis chapter 6 verses 14 through 16 here's what god says to noah so make for yourself an ark of cypress wood make rooms in it and cut it with pitch inside and out the thing's waterproof okay this is how you're to build it here's the exact dimensions the ark is to be 450 feet long 75 feet wide 45 feet high and make a roof for it and finish the ark within 18 inches to the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. It was a triple decker, okay? But we know the actual dimensions, we just read them. Now, let's put it to the test. If you do the math then, based on those dimensions, the ark would have had over 100,000 square feet of floor space, a total cubic volume of 1,518,000 cubic feet, which is equivalent to about 569 modern railroad stock cars. That's a big boat, a lot of room. Let's continue on. Therefore, researchers agree there's plenty enough room on the ark to hold two of every kind of air-breathing land animal, like the Bible says. In fact, there was room to spare. Okay, researchers discovered that on the high side, no more than thirty-five, no more than thirty-five thousand individual animals needed to go on the ark because the average size of the animal. Okay, on the planet, is about the size of a sheep, okay? And, uh, and even the few large ones, like the elephants or giraffes, you don't need to bring the big ones. Noah was a smart guy, I'm sure, okay? Uh, he probably figured that you don't need to bring the full-grown elephant or the full-grown giraffe. You need to bring maybe even the baby ones. Well, why? Well, that's common sense because uh, babies eat less, they sleep more, they don't move around as much, okay? And they live longer to repopulate the earth, which is why... You bring them in the first place. Okay, so, so, so that gives you the average size, then, okay, is about the size of a sheep. So, but even so, researchers decided to pad this number anyway just to be generous. And so they decided, well, let's crank it up 15,000 more than what we need to, round it off to 50,000, not 35 like it should be. We're gonna bump it up to 50,000, okay? Now, here's what they found. Using the railroad cars for comparison, they know the average double-decked stock car can accommodate about 240 sheep, okay? So if you do the math, that means all the 50,000 animals, 15,000 more than you need, but to pad the number, can be carried on only 208 of the 569 railroad cars, which is only 37% of the space on the ark which logically then would uh, include 361 cars or enough to make about five trains, each train having 72 cars, just to carry all the food, all the baggage, plus Noah's family of eight people. Hey, isn't that what you're supposed to do with science? It's supposed to be tested, tried, demonstrated, repeated. I mean, mean, that's what we just did with the biblical account, right? Looks to me, folks, like there was plenty enough room on that ark to hold the animals that God said he was going to hold, right? You had room to spare. You could do dance parties. Maybe that's what they were doing. You know, waiting around because they were in there for over a year if you read the Bible, okay? But seriously, folks, if you, when you look at the facts, there's no need to mock. There's no need to say that, well, that must be a mythical account there to teach us a moral lesson only. No, it was a literal guide and a literal account. Besides flipping around, we just, we put it to the test scientifically, the biblical account. Have you ever stopped to think, have you ever stopped to think about what evolutionists teach? They teach, when you boil it down, folks, that we all came from a rock. You don't believe me? This guy, once again, was able to get them to admit it. Check this out.
1: Asked me to speak at this college in Boston one time. This preacher called all the colleges and universities around Boston. I got my charts out and I said, now folks, I believe the Bible. Nobody cheered. I said, I believe about 6,000 years ago, God made everything. The world's not millions of years old. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and I gave him the basic Bible story, okay? Then I told them what they believe because most of them don't know what they believe you have to tell them (laughs) you guys believe twenty billion years ago there was a big bang where nothing exploded and produced everything four point six billion years ago the earth cooled down made a hard rocky crust it rained on the rocks for millions of years turned them into soup and the soup came alive three billion years ago and this early life form found somebody to marry (laughs) Boy, now that's a good trick and something to eat of course and slowly evolved into everything we see today One professor was getting kind of upset about this time. I seemed to do that to them. He said, "Uh, Mr. Hovind, there are hundreds of varieties of dogs in the world. I said, yes sir, you're right about that. He said, you mean to tell me that you believe all these dogs came from two dogs off of Noah's Ark? You expect me to believe that? Ha ha ha. I said, sir, would you look at what you're teaching your students? You're teaching your students that all the dogs in the world came from a (laughs) rock. I had one lady i'm sorry woman come to me after a debate one time she was steaming down the aisle boy she was mad oh i could tell i'm in trouble now i stood there quivering in my boots you know she walked up and she said tonight you said we believe we come from a rock we do not believe that i said well ma'am calm down just for a minute i said do you believe in evolution she said yes i do i'm a professor here at the university i said well would you please tell me then where we came from she said we came from a macromolecule. I said, uh, where did that come from? She said, from the oceans, from the prebiotic soup. I said, where did that come from? She said, well, it rained on the rocks for millions of years. And you could see it was slowly dawning on her. I do believe I come from a rock, don't I? Yes, ma'am, you do. You ought to be proud of it. Hey, don't step on grandpa, whatever you do.
0: Man, I don't know about you, but... uh me a wacky christian but i think i'm going to stick to the account of two dogs and noah's ark how about you (laughs) apparently i don't have enough faith to believe we came from a rock oh isn't that the irony though you say you can't have religion in schools but there is no proof for evolution and you have to believe in faith millions and billions of years ago and yet you can teach that That's a whole nother issue there, okay? But seriously, folks, you can see there's no need to mock or scoff the literal account of Noah, okay? It's not only factual, it's a whole lot much more feasible than evolution, and here's the point. Remember, is it any surprise that they would want to undermine the Noahic account? No, because this is the clue that Jesus used to show us that we're living in the last days. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. And if you look at the days of Noah, it was a completely, utterly depraved, continually wicked society, just like today, which means, guess what? We're living in the last days, according to Jesus, with the literal guy called Noah and his society being repeated. But that's not all. The fifth and final way we know evolution is a lie is the evidence of a fearful creation, okay? And folks, one of God's most awesome and fearful creations he ever made was called the dinosaur. Yes, God made them, folks, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Let's go back to our opening text, folks. Let's take a look at this. Where did they come from? Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals each according to its kind and it was so god made the wild animals according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds and how many all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds and god saw that it was good now folks here's just a logical extrapolation god is the one who clearly created all the land animals right says it right there we know that part But stop and think about it. Logically, then that must mean that he also included another land animal called the dinosaur, okay? Which then means, basically, what we just read of the Noahic account, it must have been, therefore, the flood as to what wiped out the dinosaurs, right? Because it wiped out all the air-breathing land animals that didn't go on the ark, and so, therefore, that must be what killed them, right? According to the Bible. But here's the problem. Is that what evolution teaches Oh yeah, God's the one who's responsible for dinosaurs. And yes, they were wiped out by a worldwide flood. We need to wake up and learn that lesson. No, what do they say? They say all the dinosaurs and everything else came from a rock. And the dinosaurs died out 70 million years ago. Now again, to be fair, hey, it's one thing to believe that, one thing to teach that. But my question is what hardcore scientific data do you have to back that up? And listen specifically, what proof do you have that it wasn't a flood that took them out? Well, believe it or not, shocker folks, they don't have any proof. In fact, when you look at the proof, it proves they were taken out by a flood. When you look at the actual remains, it had to have been a flood. First of all, uh, they not only find tons and tons of dead things around the world, but they find so many of them, they give them a name and they call them fossil graveyards. You would think that if there was a literal worldwide flood on the planet that destroyed everything that wasn't in that ark, okay, the animals there, that we would find billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world, right? Well, gee, guess what we find? Billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world. There's so many of them jam-packed together with massive destruction. They call them fossil graveyards. And they not only contain tons and tons of fossils, but they find them all jumbled up, thrown together in a completely disordered mass, exactly like you'd find in a sudden violent worldwide flood. Okay? In fact, the pictures of the dinosaur graveyards often show people chiseling out the backbone of an animal that has no legs, uh, head or tail or rib cage attached to it. It's got no teeth marks on the bone, which means they weren't scavenged. It's literally just parts and pieces and pieces and parts of, okay? Uh, Next to it's another backbone of an animal. It's all bent up and twisted. And and it shows us they were not torn apart by scavengers. Rather, they are the remains of a swirling mass of rotting animal parts that were deposited at the flood. In fact, they know it. Here's some direct quotes from them, folks. Listen to the verbiage that they use to describe the evidence. We have a huge mass grave where dinosaur fossils are jumbled together like flotsam after a flood. Ah, that's interesting. Another guy said this, uh, he said, at this spot in Wyoming, the fossil hunters found a veritable mine of dinosaur bones. The concentration was so remarkable, they were piled in like logs in a jam. Just kinda like flood stuff again, that's very interesting. And folks, believe it or not, even with all this clear cut evidence, it was a worldwide flood that wiped out the dinosaurs, just like the Bible says so. evolutionists will once again fulfill 2 Peter 3 and deliberately forget the evidence that it was, and they will come up with anything. I call these the anything goes theories, okay? And it's anything but what God says, and they're making them up. Okay, for instance, here's some of their theories. And by the way, as I go through these, there's a ton of them, and this isn't all of them, but notice, even in their own camp, they don't even agree. At least we stick to one account, right? But let's take a look at some of their theories. They said, no, 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 it wasn't a flood. The sun became either too hot or too cold for the dinosaurs. Okay, really? Okay. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't that. Uh, The world's climate became either too dry or too wet for the dinosaurs. That's what it was, no, 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 that wasn't it. Uh, uh, the supernova exploded nearby, spraying the Earth with the radiation. It wasn't a flood, that's what it was. No, 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 here's what it is. A, a passing comet poisoned the Earth with chemicals. That's what took out the dinosaurs, that's what. No, no, that wasn't it. Uh, the Earth's magnetic field reversed and the incoming radiation killed them. That's what it was. It hadn't have been that, Junior. No, no, that's not what it was. An asteroid plunged into the Earth and that's what destroyed them. We all know that. They show the animation with that. That's all they have. You know, the, uh, the, it's called the Chicxulub Crater. I don't have time to go into that. You know, supposed to prove that that's where the crater smashed. When they went down there searching for oil, they did the deposits, they've proven that that was not caused by an asteroid. It's just a natural depression in the Earth's mantle there. It has nothing to do with the asteroid. Been lied to. Shocker. Okay, But still, even with all those supposed theories, stop and think about it. If this were true, then why did this asteroid, why did this comet, why did this radiation, temperature, variance, whatever it is, why did it only kill the dinosaur? You ever thought about that? Why did other animals survive well, we know why other animals survived because that's not how it happened. It happened with the flood and only the, the ones that were on the ark got to repopulate the earth. That's why. But if all these other global events took place, why just the dinosaur? Did, did they just, we have comments in the universe, I hate dinosaurs. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to wipe them all out. I'll leave you everything else. I'm a generous guy. <laughs> it's crazy, folks. Let's take a look at a couple more. They said, no, no, no. Mammals ate the dinosaur eggs. That's what caused it. Those blasted mammals, I tell you what. But that's what. No, no, no. Uh, dinosaurs turned into birds and flew away. <laughs> that's one of their popular ones today. It's, it's a bunch of baloney, too, but that's what they. I, I won't believe in a worldwide flood, but I will deliberately forget and say they turned into birds. 2 <laughs> Peter 3, all over again, folks, is another one. Uh, new narcotic, uh, narcotic plants evolve. Literally, drugs kill the dinosaurs. <laughs> now, listen, we've seen that they, their proof is all made in animation or pictures. So I want to share with you guys, according to evolution, Al, I found out what killed the dinosaurs. It was. It was drugs that killed them. Right here. <laughs> now, we know smoking is caused dangerous to your health, but apparently it's being repeated today, folks, that uh, smoky. Hey, listen, if you can make up stories, I can make them up too. <laughs> Let's be fair. Fair and reasonable. That's right. Oh, but that's not all they said. No, no, no. The inability of dinosaurs to experience slow-wave sleep, sleep deprivation, killed the dinosaurs. Not a flood. But I'll come up with a theory and get my grant, by the way. Uh, uh, Anyway, so let's continue on. They said, no, they were killed by volcanoes, those nasty volcanoes. But again, why just dinosaurs and everything else? Uh, uh, They said, no, it was poisonous gases. That's what's got them. No, 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 it wasn't a flood. It was parasites. They itched themselves to death. (laughs) Really? You're going to believe, really? Oh, that's not. No, no, slip discs. That's what it was. I'm not making this up. These are actual theories. Oh, my bird. (laughs) And that's what killed the dinosaurs. Anything not a flood. No, 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 it was mass suicide. They all got together. Hey, cults happened, unfortunately. So there was the dinosaur cult back in the early days. It wasn't now, it was millions of years ago. You have to believe me on this. And they all got together and had an email and they all decided, yep, here's the day. We're all going to kill ourselves. You'll believe that. You'll, what's the verbiage in the Bible? Deliberately forget about God's judgment. But you'll believe that Oh, this is my favorite one. I'm not making this up. They say, no, it wasn't a worldwide flood that killed the dinosaurs. It was constipation. <laughs> constipation, that's what did it, folks. I mean, why, why jest? Hello, this is science, don't you know? And then one guy finally said, no, it was shrinking brain. The dinosaurs got really dumb and just died out. That's what it was, instead of a flood. I like what one guy said, and folks, I think this is based on evidence. Uh, speaking of that comment, he says, quote, it is obvious that the evolutionists don't know what happened and are grasping at straws. But you know what? I'm going to take that a little bit further. I think they do know what happens and they don't want to admit that it was a flood and they're fulfilling Bible prophecy whether they realize it or not that in the last days, people are going to deliberately forget the hardcore evidence and they're going to come out with whacked out stories just so they can continue to follow their ungodly desires including back problems and constipation and parasites. And the Bible says when you see these things, the last days, these scoffers coming, mocking at God's first judgment, mocking at God's existence, and mocking his second coming, you better wake up. You're living in the last days. Did you ever think of this? Evolution, the teaching and promotion of evolution today is a sign, according to the Bible, we're living in the last days. And that's why Jesus said this, folks. We've seen it before. How many times? He said, because of this, folks, when these things happen, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up. You better lift up your heads because Christian, your redemption draws near. Okay? We are headed, folks, for the final countdown. Okay? And so the point is this. I beg you today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I beg you, just like Noah must have done with the people of his day, would you please stop being a scoffer? and instead take God up on his offer to come into the ark of safety, Jesus Christ, also made of wood, today. You've been lied to. We've all been lied to. But now we know why. Please, come into the ark of Jesus Christ today. But if you're here today and you're a Christian, I challenge you. When Jesus returns, are there going to be any faithful Noahs alive in our generation? In the church today, are, are there any people like Noah who will care enough to look beyond our noses and see the desperate need of the people around us to get saved before it's too late? Like this guy shares. We'll close in prayer after this. Let's take a look.
1: Stock market plummeted to record lows yesterday based on speculation.
2: It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. The Lord saw that man's wickedness had become great and that the thoughts of his heart dwelled only on evil. The earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence for the people had corrupted their ways. The Lord regretted that he had made man and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe my creation from the face of the earth men and animals, creatures that crawl on the ground and birds of the air, for I'm grieved that I have made them. But one man found favor in the eyes of the Lord, one righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, who walked with God. This is the story of Noah. Every human impulse from Adam and Eve to Noah to Solomon, to each one of us, has been about grabbing everything we can get. We want riches and we want fame and we want glory and we want it now. We're humans, and so we're bent towards evil and selfishness and violence. The path of Christ is radically different. He starts washing feet, caring for the hopeless, and ultimately through His sacrificial death, He changes everything. Our motives begin to shift. We actually begin to lay down our own self-interest to pursue something much bigger than ourselves, and we actually begin to see a world in tremendous need. The reality of this world is that God is just and the world is unjust. And the Creator from Adam to Noah to now is still scouring the earth looking for one man or one woman that can actually see past their own nose to see a world that's in desperate need and do something about it.
0: Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven
2: Las Vegas, Nevada, eight nine one five six. For more information, you can give us a call at seven zero two four five two eight five nine nine, or email us at b.crone@getalifemedia.com, at or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.